Blog Talk Radio. It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. sometimes 
uh, job because you don't get to turn off and stop being a mom. When you have a little baby in the household, you don't get to just decide, hey, I'm tired of this, I'm just going to go do something else. So happy Mother's Day to all of you. And this is the show that is actually going to be the Mother's Day gift uh, for me uh, because we're going to talk about sleeplessness. As many mothers know, there are many of us who have sleepless nights. Uh, Depending on your child, uh, you know, I think children are one of the causes of sleeplessness that nobody ever talks about, frankly, Um, because uh, everybody who's ever had children in the house knows that your sleeplessness can start and it may end within a couple of uh, weeks or months of your child being born or coming home, or it could last for 18 years and then beyond uh, when you are a parent. So let's just acknowledge that that is one of the causes of sleeplessness. You might feel a little provoked by the statement that I made on the posting for the show, which was, and and I think I also sent it in the email, and by the way, if you'd like to receive emails from the show, feel free to visit the website, uh, com or com. They'll land you in the same place. And you can uh, sign up in the uh, right navigation. Uh, just scroll down until you see a, a subscription um, box that you can submit your email. But one of the things that I said in the posting for the show last week was, um, I'm going to tell you that for all those sleepless nights you have, you probably don't have insomnia. In fact, your sleeplessness may be a choice. Now, you might be thinking, really, Speedway? If so, why do studies estimate that between a quarter and one-third of American and European adults experience some form of insomnia each year, with between 10 and 20% of them suffering from severe sleeplessness? You might be thinking, well, you know, studies estimate that about one-third of the adult population in the entire world has insomnia, so how can you tell me that I probably don't have it? More than 35 million Americans suffer from long-lasting insomnia, with 20 to 30 million others experiencing shorter-term sleeplessness. Insomnia costs the U.S. approximately $100 billion a year in medical costs, and decreased productivity. And those of you, those of us know that actually if you have a day where you don't have enough sleep and you have to get up and go to work or function the next day, you can feel that it's taking you an hour to do something that should normally take you half that time or even less. In the United States, there is more than just a cost of in terms of money. Because actually, and I think, you know, I'm going to give you the the numbers for the U.S., but I am positive that this is not an uncommon thing, and the numbers may be different in different countries, but the bottom line is the problem is the same. In the United States, as many as 100,000 automobile accidents and 1,500 deaths um, are caused by sleeplessness. Experts estimate that only about 5% of people with insomnia seek medical help, and 69% never even mention the problem to your doctor. So for those of you who are listening to this because you have chronic sleep deprivation issues, 
then how many of you think about it? Have ever walked into your doctor's office and when he says, hey, how are things going? You're all, oh, fine. And how many of you have ever actually said, you know, I have trouble sleeping? Most people don't even mention it. So what that means is about only about 31% of American adults who visit their doctor ever actually discuss their sleep problems. Now, you might be asking, well, GSPA, in light of everything you just said, why would you then claim that I probably don't have insomnia and that my sleeplessness is a choice? I say that because. While nearly a quarter of adults are unhappy with their sleep patterns, only up to 10% actually meet the criteria for full-fledged insomnia. Wow! So what is insomnia anyway? It is a condition where a person experiences poor sleep or has trouble sleeping, right? Insomnia can include difficulty falling asleep, difficulty remaining asleep, or waking up many times during the night. It can include waking up too early in the morning. It can include not feeling refreshed after a night's sleep. In any of these cases, the person feels tired in the next uh, tired the next day, or they might feel like he or she did not get enough sleep. So you get up in the morning and you're thinking, boy, I just don't feel like I got enough sleep. Boy, I'm so tired and I have to get up and go to work. This sucks. Insomnia is typically followed by functional impairment while awake, right? So I'm driving down the street and I'm falling asleep and veering. Long before there were... um there was texting long before there were cell phones. People were falling asleep at the wheel. Insomnia can occur at any age, but it is particularly common in the elderly. Go figure. Insomnia can also affect all age groups, and it is common in adult men as well as adult women. Poor sleep for any length of time, can listen. It can lead to all sorts of horrible things, including mood disorders, lack of motivation, less energy, problems with concentration and increased fatigue. That is why healthy sleep is vital to the human body and it is so important for the optimal function of the brain and other organs. Um, there are different kinds of insomnia. Uh, three, actually. Everywhere I looked when I did the research, it seems like there are three kinds of insomnia, so I'm going to go with that. There is what is called mild or transient insomnia. These are sleep disorders that last for several days. There is little evidence or even no signs of decreasing function during the day. So, you know, I've got a temporary issue. I didn't get to bed at the right time. I had a hard time sleeping last night. Gee, it's a one-off thing, but I'm fine. Then there is medium or short-term insomnia. These are sleep disorders that last less than a month, which mildly affect the function during the day, together with the feeling of anger and fatigue. Uh, I used to find that actually when I when I went, there were two things that, that really just made me lose my 
my temper uh, faster than anything, like a sleep and like a food, because, you know, food's kind of important. The last one is chronic or severe insomnia. These are sleep disorders that last for more than a month, which is very disturbing, um, with, with, with very disturbed functioning during the day, and it causes intense feelings of anxiety, fatigue, and irritability. So now think about that and ask yourself, do you have insomnia? If you have had a hard time sleeping for a while, uh, are you exhibiting those signs? And you might be thinking to to yourself, well, yes, yes, I am. Therefore, I must have insomnia. Maybe. Let's keep going, shall we? So how much sleep should you get anyway? Everything that I have read on the topic says, on average, most people should get between seven and nine hours of good quality sleep each night in order to feel alert the next day. There are some sleep therapists who would suggest that you should get as much as 10 hours every single day. I actually know very few people. I think I might know one person who can actually sleep that long uh, in any given 24-hour period, but that is what we are told we should be getting. The sad thing is I've also seen a statistic that the average um, adult in the United States gets something like four, an average, on average, four to six hours of sleep. And um, more people get six and five hours of sleep. And many people don't get to eight, nine, certainly not ten hours. But supposedly this is what we need to get. Um, so there you have it. Uh, some function, some people function perfectly well on only four or five hours a night. The key to healthy sleeping appears to be a consistent pattern instead of the number of hours that you actually sleep. If you don't have insomnia, you might be thinking, well, then what on earth do I have? Well, I would suggest to you that actually there are a lot of us who don't have insomnia, but maybe what we do have is chronic sleep deprivation. And that is a situation where a person sleeps, maybe sleeps soundly, but just doesn't get enough sleep. And it's not actually classified as a sleep disorder, but contributes greatly to, you know, the fact that we've got, you know, a bunch of sleepy people running around every day. Experts say that... Um, most people probably need at least one more hour of sleep every single night compared to what they actually get. So yours might not be a sleep disorder per se. It may not be a clinical sleep disorder. It may just be that you're not sleeping enough. And um, that's not quite the same thing. Now you might be saying, well, all this is very well and good, but how do I fix it? Because uh, you heard the sheep at the beginning of the show, and you might be thinking, well, you know, I I, I sure did try counting those. And uh, that has not served me particularly well. And uh, so what am I supposed to do now? What can I do? Well, what I will tell you is um, the bad news is I'm not a doctor. And uh, that's the caveat I'll give you before we even begin. And uh, as a result, I'm not going to give you medical advice. I'm going to give you the results of my research, and I will give you things that I have personally tried and found to be successful. First, understand that your trouble sleeping might be because you have certain habits that prevent you from sleeping well and sleeping soundly. 
These are sleep blockers, if you will. And by the time we get to the end of this show, you will understand why I say, you know, your sleeplessness might actually be a choice. Second, understand that many sleep blockers are actually within your control. That's why I say it could be a choice. After this show, when you are armed with some solutions, if you choose not to change your habits, it will be even more of a choice because now you're going to know. And uh, I say that because it's funny how many of us are often armed with all the information we need to make a positive change in your lives, and yet we choose not to make the changes, preferring instead to continue in our rut, complaining about our problems. How many times have you gone to work and heard somebody say, I just hate this job. Oh, my gosh. My boss is just a total moron. Why? I could run this company with my eyes closed. That's how idiotic the people at work are. I just hate it here. And then if you say, well, if you hate it here so much, why don't you get another job? You know, first of all, you you, you suddenly get dead silence, and uh, the person might look at you as if you've grown two heads, and they can't even begin to imagine why you would even ask such a thing, right? And... Um, among among the crickets chirping in their head, then they start to make excuses about all the reasons why they have to keep this job. Well, you know, oh, here we have the crickets, right? And uh, they might say, well, you know, um, gee, the, the, the employment market is just absolutely horrible. I couldn't get a job if I tried. And... Um, uh, well, you know, I, I would leave and get another job were it not for the fact that they actually really need me here and I have to stay for that. And you get, you know, on and on and on go the excuses, right? So these are the things that if you are armed with the information and you know where to get more, then you have to make a choice to make a change. So what is it that you're supposed to change? Well, I'm going to give you a couple of tips and actually we're going to do a Father's Day show where I will give you more tips. Uh, that will be my gift to the dads. First of all, stop doing everything else in your bedroom that is not sleeping and making love. Yeah, I said it. There are two things you should be doing in your bedroom, and that's it. What that means to all of you out there who have bad habits is it means you shouldn't be reading, working, exercising, hanging out in your bedroom. And most of all, you should not be watching television in your bedroom. Why? Because watching television actually is designed to stimulate your brain. People who make television shows want to make them racy and exciting. One of my favorite shows is the show Scandal on ABC, and I promise you, that is not the show to watch if you're trying to fall asleep because there is something uh, exciting and heart-pounding that is happening in that show every single week. So watching television, not such a good thing. Uh, and especially, you know, whatever you're watching, even if it's the news, is designed really to stimulate your brain, your attention, your thinking. So stop doing that. The other reason you want to not do that is because if you only do two things in your bedroom, you go to sleep, you make love, it will get you in that zone. It will condition your body that every time you go into the bedroom, there's only one of two things you're going to do there. Makes it easier to sleep. 
don't make your bedroom the source of and and the and the root place where you tie yourself to your work for example because then you will have a hard time falling asleep because your mind won't stop going and you'll keep thinking about work and it will keep you awake so that gets me to tip number 2 train your body and doing limiting what you do in your bedroom is a great way to train your body the other thing is go to bed and get out of bed at the same time every single day. This is going to take rigorous discipline. So, for example, if we all agree that you want to be getting eight to nine hours of sleep, set aside that time to be in bed every night. Set your bedtime. So if you decide my bedtime is going to be 10 o'clock every night, then by hook or by crook, especially when you're starting out, make sure you are in bed at 10 o'clock every night, right? And make a commitment that you're not going to get out of bed until 6 a.m. the next morning, okay? That, over time, will train your body to take advantage of the sleep period while you are in bed. And in the morning... If you're used to getting up earlier, if you're used to sleeping later, if it doesn't even work out that you, you don't get enough sleep that, that night, get out of bed even if you're still tired. This is going to force your body over time and with consistency to use the same period for that sleep. There are some interruptions that will get in your way, like traveling across time zones. Even a single hour can throw you off. Evening functions, if you have to be out late, uh, then, of course, that's going to throw you, off, throw you off. So try and minimize disruptions to your schedule, especially when you're starting out. This takes us to tip number three. The hour before bed, do only things that are conducive to winding you down. You can, for example, read or pray or meditate. But whatever you do, do not watch television or do anything else that's going to be a stimulant to you. Tip number four, eating too much late in the evening is going to create a situation where you're going to have a hard time going to sleep at night. Having a light snack before bedtime is fine, but eating too much may cause you to feel physically uncomfortable while lying down, making it difficult to get to sleep. Another um source that I read, in fact, I think it was the book that I'm going to recommend to you, said that actually when you eat before you go to sleep, your body inside is going to have to get to work, right? Because you've got to digest all that stuff that you just put in your body. And all of that internal activity is also going to be a sleep blocker for you that's going to make it difficult for you to fall asleep. I mean, it sounds... Um, it sounds intuitive when you think about it, right? If my body is working, why would I expect that I should be able to fall asleep? Because falling asleep means that everybody, everything inside me should be winding down, not churning up. But, you know, who really thinks about the internal factory that is the physical um, anatomy and the fact that, you know, while you're running around doing whatever it is you're doing and laying down, your body is still working. The other, the other thing to remember is that there are many people who also experience heartburn, a backflow of acid and food from the stomach into the esophagus out of, uh, after eating. All of these discomforts might be uncomfortable and keep you awake and simply uncomfortable. Next, 
Tip number five, avoid caffeine after 2 p.m. You might be thinking, 2 p.m., why? Because caffeine has been called the most popular drug in the world. It is found naturally in over 60 plants. Did you know that? Including the coffee bean, the tea leaf, the cola nut, the cocoa pod. All over the world, people consume caffeine on a daily basis in coffee, tea, cocoa, chocolate, some soft drinks, and some drugs. Most people know that caffeine is actually a stimulant, right? And uh, most people use it for that very purpose. So you know how sometimes you hear about people who can't function until they have their first uh, first cup of coffee in the morning and uh, they have coffee in order to try and remain alert during the day? Note that caffeine cannot replace sleep. It can temporarily make us feel more alert by blocking sleep-induced chemicals in the brain and increasing adrenaline production. Now, here's what you may not know that caffeine enters the bloodstream and it comes in through the stomach and the small intestine and it can have a stimulating effect as soon as 15 minutes after it is consumed. However, did you know that for having taken only 15 minutes to work, it can take up to seven hours for your body to process Caffeine. Wow! So then, you might be thinking, why on earth am I not sleeping? Because you're not thinking about the fact that you had a cup of coffee at 4 o'clock this afternoon. It is now 10 o'clock at night, and you're having trouble sleeping, perhaps in part because of that cup of coffee that you had. Chances are you've got some other bad habits, too. The other thing, number six, do not drink alcohol at night. Alcohol is a sedative, and it may help you fall asleep, but actually it prevents deeper stages of sleep and often causes you to wake up in the middle of the night. You might find that you have to get up in the middle of the night to go potty, and you might notice if you start paying attention that that need becomes more frequent whenever you drink alcohol at night. The other thing not to do at night, do not stuff yourself with sugar. Sugar and refined carbs increase blood sugar levels that can cause a spike of energy that disrupts your sleep. Low blood sugar is one of the major causes of life of nighttime waking. Now you might be thinking, didn't you just say blood sugar causes a spike? Yes, I I sure did. I did say that. Um, I'll give you an example. Eating, let's say you eat a dessert loaded with sugar in the evening. You have some of that ice cream cake that's sitting in my uh, refrigerator downstairs after my daughter's birthday that I'm trying to figure out what to do with because I refuse to eat it. Uh, Eating a dessert like that, loaded with sugar in the evening, will crank up your blood sugar levels just before bed. You might fall asleep without a problem, but later in the night when your blood sugar levels plummet, your body's going to wake you up, alerting you to this chemical imbalance. So now what we're going to do is we're going to take a pause and think about this for just a moment because I want you, if you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, I really don't um, do most of that stuff. I I, I generally 
don't um, spend a lot of time, um, you know, eating sugar, stuffing my face at night. Let me let me give you something to think about. Think about a typical dinner function or when you go out with your friends at night. What do you typically eat? Think about it. Uh, you may have refined carbs like bread or chips as an appetizer. Then you might have more refined carbohydrates like uh, pasta or rice with your meal. And let's say you order a steak. Then, late in the evening, you might then decide that you're going to have, and and, oh, by the way, what are you drinking during this dinner? You're drinking alcohol. You may be drinking soda. All of these carbohydrates and sugars that keep you uh, from sleeping well. And what comes after dinner? Dessert, of course. And what do Waiters and waitresses always offer you when they serve you dessert, or even if they don't, coffee, or you can even have caffeinated tea, or you can have more alcohol. And so for people who drink multiple glasses of alcohol in an evening, along with their heavy meal, all of these things can be causes of insomnia and trouble sleeping and sleeplessness. So here is my challenge to you. Now that you've got some tips, between now and Father's Day, I want you to look at your habits. And, you know, it's it, journal is actually the best way to do this because we, we so minimize our bad habits until we have to write them down and face them. It's like people who say, gee, I can't understand why I'm gaining weight. I don't eat that much. And then if you actually have them write down every ling- every single bite that they eat, It turns out that actually they eat quite a lot and there is a direct correlation between what you eat and how much you weigh. So write it down if you need to. If if sleeplessness is a real big problem for you, you might want to write it down in a journal and document what you're eating when you're eating it and document what your habits are in your bedroom. Document what you're doing in a day and when you're doing it. If some of these tips, and you will find that what you're probably doing is you're probably doing multiple things that are causing you not to be able to sleep. If you get through all of those things and you try some of them and they're not working at all and they're not even almost making a dent, then perhaps you have a sleep disorder. And uh, perhaps then at that point you need to... Maybe you need to go see the doctor. So that is it for me today. Tune in on Father's Day where we're going to uh, talk some more and uh, do the conclusion of this uh, uh, series on uh, sleeplessness. In the meantime, I encourage you to visit speedway.com and uh, pick up a copy of a book that I highly recommend because I have used it and I have sent it to all of my friends who have claimed that they have trouble sleeping and they want to know how to address those problems because I promise you, if you go through that whole book and you follow every single step, most of you will no longer have trouble sleeping. It's called I Can Make You Sleep, and and it can too. So that is it for me, and uh, this is VOA signing out and saying go in peace, have a fantastic Mother's Day weekend, and get rid of your bad sleeping habits. 
Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle The Speedway Show. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.